You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors. We are a music and tech PR firm and super excited for our guest today. Uh, any of our regular listeners or our conference attendees know that we walk a fine line on our definition of music tech. As the tools of music production get into more and more hands, we continue to explore the seismic shifts that are throwing together the companies that record musicians and the ones that make the instruments and software that musicians use to make music. We're all watching as people like Media Research's Mark Mulligan point out that tech companies and record labels are embracing the top of funnel music creator tools and it's changing the centrifugal forces beneath the music industry. Today, we bring in two leaders from a company that has been pivotal in music making tools for 25 years, Native Instruments. The Berlin-based outfit started by making waves with a virtual modular synthesizer, which took advantage of the screen-based interface and growing processing power of personal computers. That approach led to more and more customizable virtual synths, samplers, and effects with names you've probably heard like Generator, Reactor, and now a comprehensive suite called Complete with a K. Along the way, they went then went in and, and did the same thing for the DJ world with a line called Tractor, also spelled with a K, opening up a whole world to DJing without physical product. And why stop there? They're also known for their guitar rig effects and amp simulator. Finally, they also produce some hardware controllers like tractor control for DJs and machine, the colorful, I call it fat button groove box sampler drum machine synth thing. And now the machine plus, which works without a computer. I'm very excited to have with me today, Native Instruments CEO, Konstantin Kunka and president and chief product officer, Robert Linka. Welcome. Welcome, Dimitri. Great to be on the show. Hey, Dimitri. Good to be here. Awesome to have you. So let's jump right in. And since we've never had anyone from Native Instruments on the podcast before, what are some of your favorite stories from the early days of Native Instruments? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I think the company is made up of uh, quite a rich tapestry of many stories over its now 25-year history. Um, we actually just... I think three weeks ago, officially had the 25th birthday of Native Instruments, but we Congrats. are holding back a bit on celebrating. Uh, we need actually a bit more time to prepare uh, for the celebration, uh, which is coming later this year. Um, I think uh, uh, personal stories are, are always the ones that connect the most. Um, and I think many people came to Native Instruments because of their passion for music production, for music culture, for DJing. And uh, my personal story is uh, no different. I was a DJ uh, in Berlin's electronic music scene for quite some time uh, in the in the mid 2000s, and that's ultimately led me to Native Instruments because I was using Tractor um, uh, at the time and uh, came to the company as as a DJ, as a as a power user, uh, if you will. And that's I think the story of many people at Native. I think what really kept me inspired over the years was the ability and opportunity to meet uh, with many of my musical heroes. Um, you know, I lived in the US and LA for seven years uh, for Native Instruments, so I was able to connect with um, uh, many of my uh, uh, favorite artists from uh, my passionate time as a, uh, a hip-hop uh, um, aficionado uh, when I was younger, and I think those were some of the moments that really show you why um, you are so passionate about what you're doing, and that really drives us here at Native. Uh, I, I think Robert, uh, yeah, what, what, what I was going to say, now, 
now, now before we jump to Robert, now now I want to hear what hip hop artists were inspiring you at the time because I grew up in the uh, in the eighties in New York and uh, yeah. had this had a similar theme. I think one one uh, a pretty pivotal moment for me was we did a product with uh, Havoc uh, from Mob Deep. Uh, we did a machine expansion with him, I think, in 2015, I want to say. Um, and he used to come to the LA office uh, to talk about the project and start recording. And actually, Hell on Earth was like my first CD uh, that I uh, ever owned. Uh, so meeting Havoc uh, and actually working on a product with him was super exciting. That's awesome. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you as well, Robert. Yeah, I think very, very similar to, uh, story to Cons. Um, I think what has been usually the most memorable moments uh, over the past 15 years were always like the interaction points that you had with your users and also being like an avid music fan of various genres. Like I also remember those moments when you basically meet one of your idols and suddenly he turns just into a customer of yours and wants something from you rather than you from him. And I actually remember that um, I think it must have been a year of me working here. I actually came in through the sound design side of the business and um, we had uh, Timberland in town uh, who was uh, back then like on his, on his peak with Justin Timberlake and was that era and uh, was basically coming in here into our Berlin uh, backyard uh, with his uh, big Bentley and entourage. And um, I got the chance to walk him through our product catalog and like everybody was just super excited and uh, very, very quiet. And I walked them like over two hours, like through every single sound that we, we had available back then. And I had many of these moments over the years and uh, uh, always stuck to me because you could see that even if you have those big producers uh, from Timberland to Hans Zimmer, at the end of the day, um, there's always a nerdy personality and somebody who's just trying to push the boundaries in regards to sound uh, behind that personality. And that uh, gets you really excited to see how aligned you are actually behind the scenes around the things uh, that really make you passionate. Oh, I love that story. I appreciate that because, I mean, that's sort of what we're getting to, right? There's this, these, this, this sort of almost like invisible divide between the recording side of the, the music industry and the, and the creation and the production side. And you guys are actually even further up with making the instruments and the sounds that even go before that. And I love to see it as this seamless thread through. And I, I think the, the spirit and the culture of native instruments is such that I think you guys feel connected through all of it. But those points of contact are... are uh, really great for us in music tectonics as we're continuing to kind of see those lines blur and and more relationships partnerships um innovations that are emerging that kind of tie, tie it all together so let, let's fast forward how has the past year been for native instruments for the community of artists producers and, and sound designers yeah, it's definitely been an exceptional year, I think, for for everyone in the world, uh, and we are no different there. Um, I think when it comes to the music industry, I think you, you have two sides. I think you have uh, a lot of people struggling uh, because the live industry went uh, almost completely away. Uh, it's, it's now reopening. I think we're all jealously looking at the U.S. where you have some shows already, and uh, I think Coachella was just announced uh, that it's coming back next year. Um I think for us, uh, it, it showed us, uh, A, I think the resilience of, of our team and, and how we can uh, work together and deliver great products to artists uh, during that time. That was great to see throughout the last year where we went fully remote as a company um, that has its own challenges of running a business fully remote. But it showed us that we have uh, an amazing team uh, that, can, that can really deliver and innovate even on uh, hours long Zoom and Google Hangout calls. 
And at the same time, we saw a lot of people um, that rediscovered their love for music creation. So at the beginning, uh, when nobody kind of knew what was going to happen, so around, I want to say, you know, March, April, I think every company in the world was being very careful, you know, um, basically decreased risk, stopped spending and said, okay, let's really see what happens here. And um, like you probably know already, a lot of companies in our space um, saw a big rise in uh, user engagement, first of all. So a lot of people dusting off their uh, complete controller keyboards and their machinists and saying, well, I've got some time now um, and I want to uh, find something meaningful meaningful to do with that time. Um, so I'm going to uh, re-engage in my, in my hobby of making music, or maybe I even see it as an opportunity to um, create something that is uh, aside from what I'm doing in my day job and, and, and maybe refocus on this as a profession. And I think as a, as a third aspect, we also saw a ton of new uh, customers and new users that came in uh, through the doors at Native Instruments, just wanting to, you know, download a free product, uh, get into it, get inspired. Um, so that's been amazingly exciting for us um, to see this influx of new creators come in that also have, you know, different requirements, different needs that tell us different things of what they are looking for. Um, so that's been the been the last year uh, uh, for us, uh, uh, at least around, you know, the time when when things really started to change. I think what, what's also been incredible for us lately is to see that even though the world is opening up again and um, attention is spent elsewhere, that we see still see a super high engagement in regards to our product. So um feels like in many other industries that through the pandemic, like the just the digital side of our world has gained a lot more attention and a lot more people uh, who will most likely, and that's what we also hope, stay around uh, uh, with us. Um, and in a way, it just basically leapfrogged us a lot closer to where we end up. And core of our mission is still to democratize our space, make make the tools and the products and the sounds more available to everyone. And uh, as, as Con just said, we saw this huge influx of old but also new users uh, that are still sticking around uh, uh, even uh, till summer, you could say, uh, and uh, keep on, on creating music. Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting. So we, we're definitely hearing from other places this growth of music making and this kind of new energy of creativity and, and being more prolific in terms of writing and putting out music. Are there other ways that the pandemic has influenced music making? Are there, there, there different approaches that's happening? And then how is that influencing you as a company? I think... Um Good question. What we what we uh, also observe is that um, all the adjacent, like uh, maybe maybe more more uh, um, rising industries, got a huge boost. So we we see that there's a lot going on in uh, in the community, for example. So basically, people uh, use new platforms, for example, to share. Uh, their ideas, but also basically to teach others. Like I think, for example, a platform like Twitch has gained a lot more relevance in regards to also uh, being leveraged by people to educate others. And in general, also uh, all the aspects of digital collaboration are basically uh, all things that basically enable you to uh, collaborate, even though you're not in the same room, have also gained massive uh, uh a massive boost uh, through technology. So I think today it's increasingly easier to also collaborate, even though if you're not sitting in the same room, if you want to make music because of a lot of startups, a lot of companies that are focused around that space. 
I think what it has shown to us, maybe for the second part of your question, is that as we see so many more people come into the funnel and wanting to start creating and they, they use whatever's out there, you know, we have a we have a free bundle that's the complete with a K start, right, which is a free product that has about, I think, seven or eight different instruments uh, in it that we introduced in I think 2019 and it was always a great uh, a great way to um, give something free to the community so people can get started but we saw a, a massive uh, uptake and downloads of that of that bundle during that time i think uh what has changed for us is not leave users by themselves once they uh, have downloaded that bundle but really help them and i think it's as much about collaboration as it is about learning and education because every every person that gets into this is doing it for you know is it for for the love of making music is it for pursuing a career because the ways of, of publishing and funding yourself have changed so dramatically and have also become so, so much easier right there's so many great stories of independent creators that are successful um but there is still, I think, a gap of, you know, getting into it and getting a software or a hardware product and actually learning how to use it. And I think uh, a lot of our focus is thinking about how can we help more users be more successful because they will ultimately also be longer term customers for us uh, if they can be successful in making music. So this focus of supporting the community uh, uh, and really helping people um, to get better at music making. Those are two kind of main, main pillars that have strengthened for us uh, over the past year. Awesome. Make, makes a ton of sense. I mean, especially as people are working in isolated ways, they can't get together with friends and, and collaborators in person as much. And so relying on you and the online forums and conversations and education materials and so forth makes makes a ton of sense. I'm wondering if you could think of any specific examples of native instrument artists and producers who maybe did something different, unique, something that caught your eye in the past year. Maybe it's a result of social distancing or lockdowns or these types of online interactions, maybe remote collaborations that maybe have become stronger as a result of this forced isolation and this forced way of being in the world does anyone anyone come to mind maybe maybe since robert mentioned uh timberland uh i think who's very much the renaissance man of uh music production uh and uh all all great things to him i think he's doing an amazing job i think i think one of the things that became clear early on in in the pandemic is that there needs to be a different avenue for producers to showcase uh, their music, their beats, uh, and what they're doing. And I think uh, Timberland and Swiss Beats really capitalized on that really well with Versus very early on. Um, I remember watching the first one just in, in, in LA. I think it was Hit Boy, and I forget who the other one was, actually, the other producer at the time. But they obviously turned it into this massive cultural phenomenon that really, at the beginning, highlighted producer culture. And uh, uh, I think that's something that we've seen kind of time and time again, that if we do something, we, for example, last summer did a um, did a free sound pack called Community Drive, where we invited uh, many well-known producers and artists to contribute sounds and presets uh, from Sia to Take a Day Trip guys that do Lil Nas X to, to produce sounds for this pack. And we gave it away for free to the community um, and then hosted a competition around it. Um, and that's been super successful in terms of engaging our community, um, as well as providing something to give back, because uh, we also raised some money there um, that we that we gave to various charities. So I think any models that that could really capture this this kind of vacuum of like we can't meet in person, like how can we still showcase what we're doing um, and get better at it? That was I think those were some of the winning concepts I think at the time. Uh, maybe maybe one other thing to call out is also that um, I think many producers have developed maybe a bit more of a back to basics mindset because. You just tend to make music a lot more from home in a pandemic instead of going to a big studio and you basically try to 
work with with uh, the tools that are around you in your bedroom or your living room and wherever. And I think it also feeds directly in this macro trend that we just see in the whole space that the independent creator, like somebody who basically creates music relatively by himself and who is also then able to publish, distribute and market it by himself, has probably seen a huge rise. And we also know this from the numbers, like more um, downstream from from where we are sitting in, in, in our industry, that uh, it's just like the independent creator um, has been a huge success story. I think uh, spearheaded by by people like Finias, for example, that basically paved the way, I think, for many people to gain the confidence that you don't need a, a mega studio to uh, um, make it to the top. And that has actually also really inspired us. Uh, yeah, we like to, we we have this this uh, we talk about it with the team more than externally, but we 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 always marvel at the Billboard Top 100s and we look at the uh, kind of individual tracks and and kind of less scientific but more by relationship the producers behind uh, those tracks. And I think uh, we have gained market share, if you will, in terms of native instruments, products being used on those tracks, not because our products are so great, maybe a little bit that, but because more and more people are entering the Billboard Top 100s that previously were needing a large studio, a major label, but this is a producer sitting somewhere on a laptop uh, using some software and making hits uh, for the masses. And that's definitely changed, right? And, and that trend is also benefiting us and, and, and making us think a bit differently about, uh, about how we approach our business. Oh, I'm super interested in, in the fact that you guys are keeping an eye on the on the record industry and thinking about how that influences what you do. In fact, I want to get into that in just a minute. But first, we have to take a quick break for an announcement. But when we get back, I'll ask you more about that. Does your company belong at the center of the conversation about music tech innovation? Listen, you should consider sponsoring the Music Tectonics Conference. The top tier sponsorships are selling fast, but we still have some slots for you, whether your business is a hungry startup or an industry leader already. Get sponsor benefits at our online events October 25th through October 27th and in-person events outdoors by the sea in Los Angeles on November 2nd. It's going to be awesome. At every sponsorship level, you'll get a virtual exhibitor booth in the metaverse. If you've been disappointed by digital brand pages at other online events, you're going to love running a virtual booth at Music Tectonics. Trust me, we've tested it out. We've had events here and it's a blast. We're offering the experience of a high-tech in-person expo booth at a fraction of the cost and none of the heavy lifting. Feature your videos, slide decks, graphics, and special offers so your company is top of mind with potential partners, investors, and clients. But best of all, you'll be able to draw a virtual crowd as attendees move through a three-dimensional virtual space. They can see where the action is, strike up conversations no matter where you are on the planet, and no VR headset is required. That's just one perk of being a sponsor at Music Tectonics. You could be a guest on this podcast, play a role in conference programming, and attend our VIP-only meetup in LA. Interested? Let's talk. Go to musictectonics.com slash sponsors. That's musictectonics.com slash sponsors to find out who's already signed on and start the conversation. Okay, we are back uh, with uh, Constantine and Robert from Native Instruments. And I know that you guys have tapped into some of the music tectonics conversations about the shifts I mentioned at the top of the episode. These new forces that are pushing the musical instrument world together closer with the traditional record industry. I'm curious, where, and we started, we started to talk about that a little bit before the break. Um, where do you see things going in the next two or three years as it relates to that interesting convergence? 
I can start. Uh, it's obviously something that we think about a lot. And I think we, we look at it a little bit from the context of history. I think Native Instruments started you know, a long time ago. We are, we're not a startup anymore. We've been around for 25 years. I think we said initially and, and shared that already. And we started at a time at the late 90s where making music was still a very expensive endeavor and you needed to know a lot. So probably needed to have gone to kind of engineering school um, and uh, buy an expensive, you know, hardware uh, a synthesizer or invest into a studio that might set you back, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And I think what our achievement has been over the last 25 years, one of them is to really widen that access by bringing down the price and also um, simplifying uh, the user experience of making music. At the same time, I think we are both inspired and believe that there's a lot more to do <laughs> when it comes to reducing complexity and just simplifying the way of making music because let's face it, uh, the requirements for an artist or producer have changed massively. It's not just about making music uh, anymore. It is about making a name for yourself, you know, uh, running uh, running your social media, creating a brand for yourself, you know, collaborating with others, networking, um, uh, creating creating an image uh, for yourself as much as it, as it is about creating a sound. Um, so I think it's also the job of companies like us to help get to better results more quickly uh, in terms of the software and the tools that people are using, and help people um, uh, educate them and and help them to to do that. And 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 you can think a lot about the different services today that that artists have that are pretty fragmented i would say so somebody finishes something with native instruments then they go on to master uh, uh, that track uh, then they go on to publish it they find ways to uh, uh, market it and that journey is still pretty fragmented so i think we'll see a lot more convergence of that space uh, coming together to make for a more i would say seamless experience from somebody's first idea into getting a track published uh, on spotify yeah, and I think just to, just to add here, um, like Juan said, I think the the past two decades were probably marked by companies like like Native Instruments and others to basically make all the tools and means available to producers that you could ever wish for. And I think we are convinced that the next decade will be defined by also making this super accessible because right now the market is still extremely fragmented. As a producer, you had, have at least uh, to spend uh, as much time setting things up, figuring things out uh, that you can use to actually compose uh, uh, things and be in the creative moment. And we actually, as a company, and I think also the whole space, want to change that ratio, right? So we want to enable producers to basically spend the majority of their time more in the creative flow and uh, have them uh, spend as little time as possible in the administrative part of the process. And um, if you then zoom out, the same is true for the macro uh, view of our space. It's still a pretty long and winding road to, to basically get from, from Ableton or Avid or uh, whatever DAW you're using to make it to Spotify. And I think that road um, will be consolidated more and will become much more seamless and less windy over the next five to 10 years. I think at, at the same time, uh, I think at the end of that road, there's a lot more path for creators, which I think is exciting. You know, uh, it's, it's not just Spotify or streaming service. There's ways to make music for gaming, for podcasts, um, to just find really new ways. I mean, I don't want to mention NFTs here, um, as I'm sure you have, you just have, did. have them a lot uh, on your podcast, but you know, there's so many more ways for people to find success in their own creation. Um, and I think one additional aspect um, that is really important to us is it's not just access for access sake or to kind of widen the business. It's um, 
today music making, I would say, is a very um, mono-dimensional uh, uh, enterprise still in the music production world. So it's a it's still a majority male uh, customer base that a lot of companies like Native Instruments and Ableton and others still have. And um, I think there's many things you can do uh, to change that. Um, and the same goes for... Um, where music making happens today, which is still very much a Western focus, I would say, in the music te technology space that we are in. Uh, whereas we know music is super global, has been, it's never been more global. So I think there's also a ton of opportunity to provide more access to localization of our products and, and other things that we can do to um, yeah, provide more access to more people ultimately, and also through that diversify uh, the audience. So I'm seeing a day when the Machine Plus has a, a, a new toggle on it that switches from music making to all the administrative stuff, Robert, you were, you were talking about. And all of a sudden, the different colorful buttons, this one says, uh, push to Spotify, push to Apple Music, go to Tidal, do high res, do, yeah, <laughs> do spatial yeah. audio, you know, all those things. And then, and then Con, regarding your global uh, uh, framework there, and then you can pick territories too. Do you want it to distribute this territory or split rights? So you're literally on the hard hardware and just picking you you can assign which color you want for which uh which streaming service which marketing tool all that kind of stuff i see some head nodding going on there <laughs> yeah i mean i think in, in in many ways that we see it as a to to the global point i think as a as a responsibility for a company like us to also help diversify the end output if you will right because we are as you said initially uh quoting quoting mark's report um very much the top of the funnel for for creators so i think whatever comes in at the top of the funnel also comes out <laughs> somewhere um and i think uh uh helping people along that journey and then maybe there is a way to uh, to get directly to distribution i think interestingly enough i think we we we, we previously uh, uh had this in in i think uh imachina uh, one of our uh, ios products where you could publish directly to soundcloud for example so it was a pretty active uh, kind of ios music making group on on soundcloud that was comparing 16 bar loops uh and getting excited about that which i, I still sometimes check into um but i think there is obviously a a, a gap to be closed uh, between your music making process uh and and what you want to ultimately do with it so is that something we can see in the future for, for Native Instruments? I, I, I'm sure you don't want to release too many specific details before anything's ready, but that's a direction that sounds like it's it could actually influence the, the company activities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't go so far to promise you the uh, uh, um, distribute <laughs> on Spotify button on Machina, but uh, I think really whatever makes uh, uh, accessibility uh, around our ecosystem uh, better, I think is definitely getting a lot of attention from us these days. Yeah, cool. So what about this joint venture you announced with Isotope uh, this year? Uh, how did that come together and what's it going to mean for you? It's it's kind of like from the outside, it's sort of like, wait, what, is, what does this mean? It's a joint venture. It's not a merger. It's not an acquisition. It's a joint venture. We don't see a lot of this announced in a way that, that seems kind of significant. What, what does this mean? Yeah, I think um, I think definitely special, right? <laughs> I think from many perspectives, um, I think Isotope is very much like the 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 sister in in mind for many people at Native Instruments and vice versa. Uh, I think somebody in the whole process called it a marriage made in heaven, um, which I think many people in both companies and many of our customers can subscribe to. Um, I think this 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 whole process started uh, with with us also thinking around how can we 
uh, defragment the experience, right? I think that was one important aspect to what we just talked about before. Um, why do you have to go somewhere else to do a step in your creative process that you might want to do out of one kind of cohesive experience? Um, and when we then kind of look around the market and and who is the kind of uh, a gold standard in effects, especially when it comes to mixing, mastering, repair, um, Isotope is a company we've admired for many, many years. Um, so pairing up and getting together under the same kind of hood uh, with the help of also our our shareholders uh, at Native Instruments here um, was um, was an exciting uh, proposition uh, that we all couldn't resist I think on both sides and and now it's about you know really leveraging that partnership and 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 getting our, our people and our talents together to leverage the amazing technologies we have on the native side and the ISO side and and ultimately get to a simplified experience around music making um, that probably starts more with the sound generation and instrument at Native Instruments, but ends up with, you know, mastering your track in Ozone um, uh, before you have that uh, published to wherever button uh, come in after. Um, yeah, so that's 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 maybe explains it a bit. I don't know if it fully answers your question, Dimitri. Well, I think what you're saying is it's the first step in building this bridge into this less fragmented experience. It's to go from, from the sound all the way to the mastering level and everything in between. Is that right? Exactly. I think we, if you basically look at the workflow of most of Native Instruments users uh, and uh, most of uh, the Isotope user base, you will basically see that exactly the same people just uh, using the tools of both companies at a different stage uh, in the process. Um, and there is still a lot of potential to basically also connect those stages in the process a lot more. And this is ultimately where we see also the potential between Native and ISO uh, joining forces to basically defragment the production process and the workflow first, but also leverage the amazing technology that both companies have built up over the years to basically apply them on the other side. ISO, for example, has some amazing machine learning a technology, but uh, leveraged it mostly currently in the effect space. And if you imagine what that could do uh, applied to the instruments ecosystem of native instruments, you basically get to a lot of really interesting ideas that um, uh, we are hoping to see over the course of the next few years. Awesome. Okay. Well, good to have some insights there. Um, separate or part of that doesn't matter. I'm just curious, uh, can we ask you what new product directions we can hope to see in the coming months and years? I mean, th this sounds like an integration opportunity, but um, be curious to hear what else is coming down the pike. Yeah, I mean, one thing is for sure, you can definitely uh, uh, expect more instruments and more sounds, and uh, we are not giving that up anytime soon. And we very much still believe also in the power of the ecosystem that we've built and uh, um, the flywheel between our hardware, our software, our platforms. So um, this is something that's uh, at the core uh, of the native business and Isotope uh, just has awesome opportunities to also integrate into that ecosystem and into that flow. So we'll definitely make sure that we power uh, that ecosystem and the connections between hardware, software, uh, uh, even more uh, than we did in the past. And then, as we've mentioned before, I think uh, access as a theme to basically our ecosystem from a pricing, usability, but also from a cultural perspective is uh, one of the main uh, uh, points of our mission going forward to basically uh, make what we do uh, not just available to our current customers, but to a lot more people. 
I would I would maybe just add maybe one one aspect or one facet of that that I think fits into that, but might be especially interesting kind of to to the listeners of of this podcast and, and kind of the audience because we talk a lot about the conversions between kind of the music industry and the record industry, if you want to call it that, and the kind of music making and music tech space that we are that we are in. And I think we've always believed that there's also an important bridge to cross just in terms of products, right? Because if you're getting started in music production, you most likely will have an idol uh, that you want to sound like. I think it, if, you, if you pick up a guitar, you want to sound like, I don't know, Jimi Hendrix or Eric Clapton. The same is true for a hip-hop producer that wants to sound like Sunny Digital or or 40 or whoever else. Um, and um, we've done some amazing uh, creator partnerships in the past uh, with artists and producers. And it's definitely something that we see a lot more opportunity in uh, because it's a great way to give back uh, to the community and really invest into producers. Um, and at the same time, uh, uh, offer a lot more people access to uh, instruments and, and sounds from the people that they admire. We need to close that, to close that loop uh, and that circle. Awesome. All right. We're going to need to take another quick break. And when we come back, I want to ask you a little bit about your personal journeys. Uh, we, we started off talking a little bit about stories from your own uh, musical meetings of idols and how that's collided. But I want to talk a little bit about your roles as well. So we'll ask you that when we come right back. Whoa, the ideas are flying fast on this episode. If you want to follow up on anything we're talking about today, we've made it easy. Head over to musictectonics.com and find this episode on the podcast page. You'll see show notes full of links and a timestamp roadmap of the conversation. We're not responsible for internet rabbit holes you tumble down in the process. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Okay, we are back. And Constantine, as I as I said before the break, I wanted to ask you a little bit about each of your, your own journeys. As a PR guy myself, I'm intrigued that you worked your way up from the marketing side to become CEO. I'm curious, what's what have been some of the biggest lessons you learned from coming in from the marketing, marketing side of the business? Yeah, I'm, I'm the hope for all PR people uh, in, music, <laughs> in music tech. You can make it. Um, <laughs> Look, I think I think it's uh, ultimately uh, um, uh, the passion that comes with the space that's always kept me really curious uh, and wanting to learn and grow. That's really, I think, if I had to break it down to one thing, I think that's really what what it is. Because um, with that comes, you know, the the interest in wanting to learn new things and and wanting to surround yourself with people like my very cherished colleague Robert here to really better understand and learn about, you know, uh, how. Our contact platform is powering many parts of our industry, and and so and so on. Um, and I think it also gives you the drive and and the the attitude to to basically um, put in the work that you also need to put into. Um, I think um, build up the resilience uh, to do this. You know, I I think a lot of what PR is and and marketing is about storytelling, and um, that's very much also the job of of a CEO of a company like Native Instruments because it's about taking people on a journey and really um, investing into the culture of the company because many people here uh, are super talented and could be working for the large tech companies uh, in the world, which I maybe sh shouldn't say they have more ideas to do this, um, but they are driven here by a passion to uh, work on the things that really matter to them, which is to build amazing products and services for music producers. And and I can really authentically tell that story uh, because it's also my story at Native Instruments. Um, so um yeah, that's that's what I would maybe uh, say <laughs> to to that question. Yeah, that that no, I love I love that. It, it, do you think that there's things that you think 
of differently because you come from that marketing background than somebody that came purely from a product or a technical background? Yeah. I mean, I think Native Instruments has always been a company that's been very much driven by marketing and product, I would say. That's always been also the leadership um, of Daniel Mata that ran this company for a long period of time and that really built up this amazing, amazing thing uh, over here um, that we that we have the privilege to really take into the future. Um, and I think because of that, marketing has always played an important role at Native Instruments. I think, um, you know, there's one way to talk about technology and products, which can be very technical and can be very nerdy, or you can talk about the benefits and the opportunities and the inspiration that comes with uh, the tools that you have in your hand. And that's why you, I think also here is talking a lot about helping users and the community versus uh, just uh, dropping the technology uh, in people's uh, uh, on people's laptops. And I think that's maybe a major difference in terms of how you how you talk about it and how you communicate and what you emphasize in, in your organization and also to the market. Interesting. Cool. Well, I want to flip it over to you, Robert. You've been on the product and sound design side from the beginning, I think like 15 years maybe. <laughs> um, and so I'm curious, how has it been to go from this from a technical role into executive leadership? What, what have been your favorite learnings along the way? Yeah, uh, really good question. I think it's almost uh, now 16 years, I have to admit. So Congrats. it seems like a, like a lifetime uh, or half of it at least. And yeah, like you said, like I came in through sound and product design and basically got the privilege to spend my first years with also some of the really uh, inventive and smart people that helped to make Native Instruments big, like Stefan Schmidt, who basically founded the company, who, who is behind Reactor, Mike Dalliott, who's basically the master behind Massive and a lot of the synthesizers that Native built over the years. And I think those people basically created like also this ambition in myself that by just putting in the right amount of work and passion and like surrounding yourself like with the right team that you're not just able to 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 change the i would say destiny of native instruments you're really able to make your mark in music culture which is something that i think motivates the two of us that uh, at one point native could really claim that that whole subgenres have uh, wouldn't have had been possible without the tools that native gave to producers and uh, that's a really great thought looking back that that you basically uh, were able to uh, be a part uh, of something very, very long lasting and dear to your heart, like the evolution uh, of music. And I would say that ambition hasn't left me like uh, also in an executive role. You obviously have to live with a lot more abstraction towards the things and you uh, shouldn't interfere with the people uh, that have the really good ideas too much anymore, but focus much more on setting the right goals and paving a direction and path and enabling the people rather than uh, doing stuff yourself. Although I have to admit, I'm very, very uh, tempted to still like uh, get my hands dirty and uh, uh, just try try some sound design here and there with some of the tools that we still have around. So I never fully gave up uh, uh, what uh, basically uh, motivated me so much in the first years. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit also like concept. You basically have to get used to to become much more of a storyteller and somebody to who who's able to to sketch out a vision and then more importantly also to enable a past to execute against that vision and mission and uh yeah basically let the smart people do what they can do best uh, uh while you are basically creating the uh, freedom and unblock them as good as you can 
Wow, it's really interesting to hear you both answer those questions from those two different but overlapping perspectives because, uh, I mean, I really hear from you, Robert, that you're talking about you can really see the legacy of the impact of the product from from not just the technical side but the user side as well, that interaction with with the product and and see the story emerge from that side um, as well, which is which is super interesting, which is very similar to what what Khan, what you you said as well, but certainly you know thinking storytelling first. Um, so it's almost like you guys are inverses of the same the same coin a good partnership i would say <laughs> yeah it's been it's been a, a pretty um uh, amazing year for us to be honest we're coming kind of to the end of the the first year of, of our leadership and uh, i think um native instruments has always been run by two people um that's been the kind of history so i think we're continuing that tradition and i think it's really important that you have a very open and direct uh, relationship with your business partner and we certainly certainly have that but we also have the benefit of having grown up in the company and overlapping in a lot of our motivations and um uh, and our passions and our ultimate goals of what we where we want to take the company Awesome, great. Well, well, I appreciate you guys going down memory lane as as it, as it goes in terms of your roles there. I want to broaden it out before we wrap up our episode today. I'm always curious about what music trends or emerging uh, like music tech trends or emerging influences that our guests are keeping an eye on. I, I don't know if one of you wants to go first and t- like like let's go big picture. What it what is the stuff that we haven't talked about yet that you guys are like, huh? This is kind of interesting. I can maybe start it, and Con then then has the last word on on, on that prediction. Um, so I mean, I, I think we mentioned it here and there already. We believe there's there's going to be a huge potential in the industry still to to make it uh, to open up more, like to basically go from a, a very male, very uniform type of uh, a, a user base to basically enable everybody who's really interested in music, and that's so many more people than than are. Uh, enabled today to create music on a computer. So I think that's that's going to be a huge macro trend uh, that we are going to see. I think we are definitely, uh, like so many other digital businesses, uh, will experience a pure uh, power of machine learning and in AI in, in general, also uh, moving into our space and helping people to basically get into the creative flow and realize their idea much quicker uh, than they had been before. And I think uh, then also on a macro level, we also see like this process that we called uh, out before from basically Pro Tools or Live to Spotify becoming a lot more seamless, potentially adding new players to that journey, but maybe also getting rid of some established players that uh, uh, the dependencies are really large towards uh, still today. I subscribe to all of that. Uh, <laughs> what Robert has shared, I think uh, a, a, another um, maybe even kind of broader um, prediction would be that the kids that are getting into music production today will um, use different tools uh, in the future. And I think it's up to companies like Native Instruments to uh, uh, listen uh, to those customers and um, work with them to develop what the next generation of tools looks looks like. I mean, if we look at the last... 10 to 15 years has mostly been kind of laptop-paced music production. Um, we know that uh, a mobile doesn't play a huge role uh, in our space yet, which is kind of counterintuitive, but sometimes you find in music technology and music production, people are quite traditionalists uh, uh, in terms of how they how they are creating. So I think we'll see a much larger platform shift happening over the next years, especially as more and more people are getting into music production. And we see this big wave of creators that are realizing 
wow, I can actually make money with this. This is a career I can take. I'm 20 years old. I'm debating if I should go to college, which is kind of half Zoom classes these days anyway, or if I should make some beats and publish them online. And I think those are some of the choices that people are making today. Um, so uh, we want to we be there and support those creators on their way uh, also over the next 15 years or 25 years uh, rather. Awesome. Well, this has been an absolute blast. I really appreciate you guys taking time. It's it's an honor to continue to envelop you guys into the music tectonics community. Um, we've had you, you folks on your team do demos of instruments at some of our events, and um, we're going to keep uh, keep encircling you guys, welcoming you into music tectonics, and have you do more and more. Uh, you've been listening to me, Dimitri Vitsa, with Rock Paper Scissors. I've been interviewing Native Instruments CEO, CEO Constantine Kunka and President and Chief Product Officer Robert Linka. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thanks for being on the show, guys. Thanks so much, Dimitri. We really appreciate it. Uh, it was really fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We put out new episodes every week. Want more? Find it at musictectonics.com. You can dig deeper into this episode, learn about our annual conference, get the Music Tectonics app, and sign up for our newsletter. MusicTectonics.com has it all. Also, look for Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. And connect with me, Dimitri Vitsa, on LinkedIn. Peace. You're listening to Music Tectonics.